oftentimes we, we think about getting things fixed when they're not working right. I, th- I think about that in my life. Uh, some of us are better at others at repairing things. I happen to be terrible at it, but maybe you're better. You probably are better than I am. But, but eventually, when it comes to fixing things, all of us come to the end of our own ability, and we need some kind of specialist who can help us get things working right again. So if my car isn't functioning like it's supposed to, I take it to a mechanic and they get it working right. If, if my computer isn't working right, I take it to an IT specialist um, you know, or one of my kids and they get it working right again. If I'm not feeling well, I go to a doctor so she can diagnose what is wrong with me and get me fixed. But what makes our body different from a car or a computer or a washing machine or a pool filter is that our physical body has been created with an amazing ability to heal itself. Our physical body has been created with an amazing ability to heal itself. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And one part of this wonderful design is how these bodies of ours are not only amazing biological machines, and they are, where there are trillions of cells working in precise harmony with one another every second of every day, but they've also been designed to constantly monitor, diagnose, and repair themselves. Literally every minute of every day, our immune system is monitoring every cell in our body. And dealing with intruders such as viruses or bacteria or toxins to trap them and destroy them and remove these microscopic invaders out of our body. Natural killer cells within us can recognize when one of our own cells has been invaded by a virus, destroy the infected cell, and prepare it to be moved out. Inflammation while it feels like a problem, is actually our body reacting to an injury or an infection, allowing our immune system to get that area back to health. A fever is the body raising its own temperature to a degree where it will kill a virus or bacteria. If we break a bone, immediately, instantaneously, our body swings into action to begin produce new cells to heal the damage. When we cut our skin, our body immediately goes to work to stop the bleeding, remove the dead cells, and produce new healthy ones to restore the skin. And of course, there are times when we all need doctors and medicine and specialized treatment. But even then, The real goal of medical treatment is simply to put our bodies back in the position to heal themselves. Let's take that broken bone. If we go to the emergency room, that broken bone will be set. Maybe it will require pins to be put into the bone. But when it has been set, it will then be stabilized with a cast and with crutches. We will be sent home to stay off that leg. What's the point? The broken bone, having been set right again, is stabilized, protected, and given time to rest so that our own body will now have the time to repair and to strengthen from the inside the bone that was broken. The true goal of medical treatment is to put our bodies back in the position to heal themselves. So there are exceptional times when we all need help from the outside to get well again. But the truth is that the overwhelming majority of the time, in fact, it is happening so constantly that we don't even realize it is going on. 
the overwhelming majority of the time, if our bodies are given the chance, they have an amazing ability to heal themselves. Now, what I want to talk to you about today, again, is community and the kind of deep, enduring relationships that we've been created for within the body of Christ. But I wanted to start out talking about our physical body because there is a striking parallel to our spiritual body. Because just as the physical body has been created with an amazing ability to heal itself, did you know that so also the spiritual body that we are a part of, that is the body of Christ, has been created also with an amazing ability to heal itself? What if, just what if, the greatest obstacle to wholeness and healing in our lives wasn't a lack of specialists or professional treatment, but a lack of true Christian community. Where ordinary believers in authentic relationships with one another, equipped by the Holy Spirit the vast majority of the time, we're able to bring about restoration to that which is broken in one another's lives. What if ordinary believers in Jesus Christ, in authentic community with one another, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the vast majority of the time were actually equipped to bring restoration in one another's lives for that which is broken? What if? All this time, the church was designed to be a self-healing body, but we didn't even realize it because we haven't been living in true community enough to ever experience it or to often experience it. That, that's the question I'm hoping for a few moments you'll just be willing to give a little thought to. So I'm going to have you look at a couple of passages this morning, but primarily I want you to zero in on Galatians chapter 5. So if you're sitting here, get out your Bible, Galatians chapter 5, or your U version, you sitting at home, you're not off the hook, get at least your iPad out, something, get God's word in front of you, Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to see this for yourself. Now, it's a familiar passage, Galatians chapter 5, and when we read it, I, I think you'll agree with me for a number of reasons, but this morning in particular, it's of significance to us because it's one of these one another passages. So it, these are one of a number of commands that we're supposed to fulfill mutually to one another in the body of Christ. But let me begin up in Galatians chapter 5, 22. I'm going to read down to chapter 6, verse 2, and then we'll break down what we see there. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, right there at the very end, chapter 6 and verse 2, there's this very important command that we have been mutually called to towards one another in community. Carry one another's burdens. 
Now, certainly when it comes to carrying one another's burdens in the body of Christ, there are many, many applications for this. But the most direct application for what the Bible means to carry one another's burdens is immediately right before it. Right before it, it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin. Not just when someone sins, because we all sin more often than we would care to admit. But when someone is ensnared by sin, they are caught up and can't break free. They are brought down and they can't get back up again. Brothers and sisters, if someone is ensnared in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, restoring the broken. Karatizo, that's what the word means. It means to put back together again, to make right something that has been broken. It's used in the Gospels to describe James and John sitting in their boats and they are doing this. They are mending fishing nets that were broken. They're putting them back right again. It it was a medical term in the day of the Bible to describe the setting of a fractured bone. Putting right again that which has been broken. Karatizo. So in the midst of a passage about the mutual responsibility we have towards each other in the body of Christ, we are commanded to restore that which is broken in one another through sin. Now, a good question that someone might ask is, what kind of brokenness can we expect to be able to restore in one another's lives? Now, here in Galatians, the immediate application is bringing someone back who has been defeated by sin. But we have every biblical reason to believe that restoration is and can be much broader than that. Now, we're not done in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. I I promise that. So if if you've got a a real paper Bible there, keep your finger in it. See, we used to say keep your finger in it, but a lot of kids don't know what that means. But anyway, keep your finger there. The second passage I want you to look at is in James chapter 5. So go ahead and get over to James chapter 5. We'll come back to Galatians in a minute. But James chapter 5 is another one of those one another passages that talks about the mutual responsibility we have towards one another in the body of Christ. Now, usually when we turn to James chapter 5, we have in mind someone who is physically sick or perhaps even dying. And this passage certainly includes that. But I want you to watch closely because as we walk through it, it actually talks about five different kinds of brokenness, not just physical sickness, five different kinds of brokenness that any of us can experience. And in fact, most of us probably do eventually experience and towards one another. We are given the privilege of prayerfully bringing God's grace in to heal and restore this brokenness. So James chapter 5, verse 13, I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter, the end of the book. James writes, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now, in these verses, as I read through, I count five different kinds of brokenness that we are called towards one another in the midst of. My Bible begins in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Maybe your translation uses a slightly different word, suffering, affliction, hurt. I think a good word to use here would be distressed. Because the idea of the words is it means emotionally pained, internally suffering. Now, this kind of internal distress in our lives is often the result of some kind of hardship in life. But the focus of this word is the emotional inward pain that it is causing. And maybe you have been blessed enough to experience this and be on the receiving end of restoration. When sisters or brothers came along you in prayer because your child was wandering, because your parent was drifting, because your business was uncertain, because there was something that was not right in your health, but there was some hardship you were going through in your life. And when you were done and that prayer was through, your situation was no different than it was before. You got back up off your knees. You had the same trouble, but because they carried the burden with you, when you got up, the weight on your shoulders was lighter. They helped you carry the distress. This kind of healing community, if you've ever been on the receiving end of it, is incredibly powerful. We have been designed to bring healing to one another in the pain of life's trouble. Verse 14, to the physically sick. It's interesting that in this passage, this is the kind of trouble we think of the most, but it's probably that which makes us feel the most uncomfortable. Is anyone among you physically sick? Then they should call for the elders of the church and anointing them with oil, they will pray over them, joining their faith together and expecting that God will answer and heal. I, I want to touch, I want to teach more soon on God's healing promise. Because this deserves much, much more time. But I, I just want you to know today, we still believe this. We still practice this. And you need to know this. Because if you are physically sick, and if you have the faith to believe it, then you need to call for it. Because through the prayers of his people, God still heals. So for those who are internally distressed, for those who are physically sick, and sometimes those two things go together. The body of Christ has been designed to be self-healing towards each other. Verse 15, to the internally weary. Now, you might want to make a note there in your Bible. Every translation I can find just repeats the word sick from two verses before. But in verse 15, I think it's worth pointing out that it's a different word. And the word specifically means exhausted, worn out, having lost heart. And there certainly can be a connection with physical sickness. If you've ever been sick long enough or bad enough, you know what that feels like. When you've just been sick so long, you've been hurting so bad, you are just spent. 
And every part of you, the hurt, the tired, the discouragement, the uncertainty, but it's not even about the sickness anymore, but inside you are so weary that you begin to question whether or not you can keep up the fight. Sometimes some of us feel that way and we're not even sick, spent, exhausted, weary. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Within the body of Christ, we have been designed to pour the mercy of Christ into the hearts of souls of one another when we're tired and when we're weary and when we have begun to lose heart. Restoration for the sinfully guilty. Verse 16 says, therefore, that means connected to what has just been said, therefore, Since we are wired for this restoring, healing, refreshing ministry into the lives of others, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So the elders of the church have a role in this, but it is not limited to that because then he goes on and he says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. The Bible does not draw a neat distinction between the forgiveness of our guilty souls and the healing of our sick bodies. That is not to say that there is always a straight line that runs from every specific sickness to a particular sin that caused it, because it's not like that. But what we are saying is that ultimately all sickness is rooted in sin. Were there no sin, there would be no sickness, no decay, no disease, no death, None. And one day when sin is fully and finally eradicated, then we will experience in the body perfect health and endless life. But in the meantime, while we are waiting for God's full and final process to be revealed, we pray to God who is our healer, asking that he would reach in and restore one another's broken bodies. And in the meantime, we confess and pray to the God who is our Redeemer, asking that he would forgive one another's sins. This is what we're wired for, to bring restoration to one another in the body, to the distressed, to the sick, to the internally weary, to the sinfully guilty. But don't stop yet. This one another passage isn't through yet. Don't get distracted. It says, pray for one another fervently, expectantly, in faith believing. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. After all, he says, if Elijah was a man just like you, and when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And when he prayed again, the rains returned. If Elijah was a man just like you, and when he prayed, it made a difference like that, then you should pray too for one another. Then it concludes, verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and another should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Restoration to the spiritually wandering. We are wired in the body of Christ to prayerfully bring the mercy of Christ into one another's lives in a ministry of restoration. And when we are wandering, what does the mercy of Christ do? 
the mercy of Christ leaves the 99 behind and he goes seeking for the one who is lost to bring them back again. And when they are guilty and when they are weary and heavy burdened, physically sick and emotionally exhausted, we come in the name of Jesus and we come in the power of the Holy Spirit to bind up that which is broken. So, back here in Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that one gently. That is, take that which is broken in the body of Christ and set it right again. Now, it's not just a a passing superfluous comment when Paul says, you who live by the Spirit should carry this out. Maybe your translation says, you who are spiritual. We, we use these words of kind of a generic description. It's hard to tell exactly what they mean. Oh, she's such a spiritual person. I just don't feel like he's really spiritual at all. It's kind of a generic description. I don't really know what that means. Paul isn't using the word like that. He's not saying, those of you who are next level Christians, those of you who are just taking it up a notch, you are the only ones who should try to undertake this. Let the professionals handle this. To the contrary, he's been talking throughout this entire passage about the Holy Spirit and how it should transform every single part of every single believer's lives. Look back. Up in chapter 5, in verse 16, he says, For if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, if we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. Verse 22, when the fruit of the Spirit, the natural, naturally occurring evidence of the Spirit appears in our life, what will it bring? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Verse 25, so live by the Spirit. Verse 25, keep in step by the Spirit. Then verse 26, let us not become conceited, challenging, envying one another, which is precisely how we'd be tempted to act to one another if the Spirit's not in control. But to the contrary, even if someone is ensnared by sin, you who live by the Spirit. And someone says, so Paul, exactly who is this? And Paul says, have you not been listening to me? I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about every single one of you. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and if you're in Christ, there is no other option. If the Holy Spirit is living and blooming within you, and I hope and pray that he is, then according to that same Holy Spirit, you restore the one that is broken. Now, here is why this specific point is really important to unpack this passage when we think about this self-healing ministry within the body of Christ. Because we recognize this isn't just some generalized statement, you who are spiritual. That is, you know, be a good Christian, don't kick a brother when they're down. It's not just a generalized statement, it's more specific than that. According to the Holy Spirit, which is what he's been talking about in this entire passage. This Holy Spirit by whom you are living transformed every single day through the power and the person of that same Spirit bring the healing touch of restoration to that which is broken in the body. Now here's why this matters. If we are doing this and we are doing this right, what this means is we should be able to see things happening 
in the life of the other that only the Holy Spirit can do. And fortunately, we don't have to guess what these things are. Because the Bible tells us what the work is that the Holy Spirit does. This may not be an exhaustive list, but it's pretty good. The Holy Spirit, John 14, 17, is the spirit of truth. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 says that the Holy Spirit reveals knowledge and wisdom and the thoughts of God to human hearts. So what this means is that if restoration is happening according to the Holy Spirit, then God's truth will be conveyed to one another. Now, when I go to see a doctor, I need to have confidence in her competency. That's key. I would seriously appreciate it if she has some good bedside manner as well. But ultimately, more than anything at the front end, I need her to tell me the truth. Even if it's something I'd prefer not to hear. Like, this doesn't look good. You can't keep on going the way you're going. This is going to hurt a little bit. But we're going to get you healthy again. But only if I tell you the truth first. I often like to say that within the body of Christ, our obligation to one another is to tell each other the truth that we already know, but we are so prone to forget. Within the body of Christ, our obligation is to remind one another of the truth we already know, but we are prone to forget. I bet most of us here in this room right now, we're probably educated far beyond our obedience If we didn't learn one more thing about the spiritual life, we'd probably have enough for the rest of our lives. We know plenty. We just tend to forget it at convenient times within the body of Christ. Say, I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you, and I'm trusting that you're going to remind me when I need it as well. The one who's acting in the power of the Spirit will convey the truth of God. And when it really is God's truth that is being conveyed, And if it's being conveyed in the power of the Spirit in a true believer, we can expect that most often this will result in healthy conviction. Jesus said, John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. It is not my job. I can't get it done. It's not your job either. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction upon someone's life. The Holy Spirit will bring a true conviction of sin that is healthy and not a shame that is toxic. I want to share with you a really powerful quote from Larry Crabb, and his thinking on this has been very influential in my thinking. Um, He says this. He says, Admonishment to do right becomes ugly pressure when it is not preceded and liberally accompanied by an attitude that says, I cannot make you do anything. But I believe there is something in you that knows what you're doing is wrong. And if you belong to God, there's something in you that wants to do right. I believe in that life within you. I trust God's work in you. And more than anything else, I want you to enjoy a taste of God's gracious, loving heart in your relationship with me. Brothers and sisters, if someone among you is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, restore them gently. That's as good of a definition or description as I can find. I believe there's something in you that knows what you're doing is wrong. I know there's something in you that wants to do right. I believe in that life within you. I trust in God's work within you, and I want you to experience a 
taste of God's gracious, loving heart in your relationship with me. If this is a ministry of the Spirit, it will bring strengthening to the broken. When God gives strength to the weary, Ephesians says that he does so through his Spirit. Have you ever had an experience like that where you've been on the receiving end? In the midst of authentic, powerful relationships, you went in tired, you went in spent, and though you went in weary, and not one thing externally changed in your circumstances, when you went back out, you went with new strength. You mounted up with wings like eagles. You were able to walk and not be weary. You were able to run and not get tired. That's just not the power of positive relationships. That's the work of the Holy Spirit flowing through Christian community. If the Holy Spirit is working through you, the broken one will be brought back into communion with God. And even if they don't have the words to say, somehow they are going to get back in conversation with God again. How can we be so sure? Because Romans chapter 8 tells us this is precisely how the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. Have you ever come alongside one who is caught up in sin? I have. Somebody who's overcome by emotional pain, somebody who's living in guilt, somebody who's weary and wandering. Maybe have you ever in your life been there yourself? And I feel so far from God. And God feels so far from me. I don't even know what to say anymore. And the ministry of healing by the Holy Spirit comes along and says, it doesn't have to be that way. And even if you aren't sure how to get this conversation started, even if you aren't sure what to say, we will go to God and we will do it together. We will begin talking. Because that is exactly the work of the Holy Spirit. Fruitfulness in living. In fact, isn't exactly what this passage is about. The fruit of the Spirit, the verses right before, that is the naturally occurring evidence of his life within us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if someone has been caught up in sin, and that has trapped them in, in some manner of life that is contrary to God's very best for them. Healing means that not only can they be forgiven for the past, but they are restored to a place of victory moving forward, a life that is defined by the fruit of the Spirit. When someone is broken, when someone is defeated, when someone is ensnared, it almost begins to be impossible, even if they still believe they're a child of God, that they could live a way that is different than that. This is precisely the message of the Spirit they need to hear. They need to receive a powerful vision for their future with greater victory and greater fruitfulness walking with the Lord than they have ever known before because they're so defeated. They can't imagine it any other way. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is planting that God-defined vision of their future within them that their greatest days in Christ and their finest chapter it's still to come. A vision not only of fruitfulness in living, but a vision of gifting in service. Right? Because that's specifically what the Spirit does. He gifts every single believer for ministry and impact beyond their own ability and beyond their merit. And if you ever in your life have been spiritually down, if you ever in your life have been spiritually out, truly broken, that is precisely what you begin to wonder. 
how could God ever use someone like me? And this is precisely the work of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, not only are you going to come back again, not only are you going to live in victory again, but God is going to use you for his glory. Tell the truth. This may hurt a little bit, but we're going to get through this thing together. Bring healthy conviction. Bring strength where now there is weakness. Bring new connection with God where now there is distance. Bring fruit where there now is sin. Bring usefulness where there is now uselessness for the king and the kingdom. Because I still believe in God's life in you. I still trust in God's work within you. Just one last thing and then we'll be done. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that one gently. Question, if you break a bone, what is your first instinct? In fact, even if you just sprain it really good, what is your first instinct with that which is broken? You pull it in. You hide it. You protect it. Don't touch it. Probably don't even look at it. Just leave it be. That is your first physical instinct to pull it in. What I want you to know is the same instinct with our physical body, the same instinct with our spiritual body as well. Pull it away. Hide it. Protect it. Don't touch it. Just leave me alone with it. Same instinct with our physical body is the instinct with our spiritual body as well. That's why it must be with a spirit of gentleness. My best definition for gentleness is strength under control. It takes the kind of person who can honestly say, you can trust me. This may hurt a little bit. This may take a little bit of time. But we're going to get through this thing together. And when this is all done, you're going to be stronger than you ever were before. When this is all done, you're going to have more impact than you ever had before. When this is all done, you're going to be restored. That is, what is now broken, it is going to be back together again. But you can trust me. Do it in a spirit of gentleness. So the point I was trying to make this morning is that just like our physical bodies, the body of Christ, That means you and I together. We've been designed to bring mutual healing into one another's lives. And and what if? What if the greatest obstacle to wholeness and healing in our lives wasn't a lack of trained specialists or professional treatment, but a lack of true Christian community? Ordinary believers in powerful, authentic relationships with one another, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are equipped the vast majority of the time to bring mutually healing to that which in our lives are broken. What if all this time we've been designed for this? Just like our physical bodies, the church can be a self-healing instrument, but by and large we didn't realize it because we weren't invested enough in true community to actually experience it happening. I believe that ordinary people have the power to change one another's lives. I believe that you and I, by the Holy Spirit, we have the power to affect healing in one another's lives for that which is broken. 
I believe we have been created for community. And when you're in community, healing happens. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that in the words of Jesus, you have not left us alone, but you have left us your Holy Spirit, not just among us, but working in and through and out of us. We have a long way to go in this. We have gotten used to experiencing superficial connections and not these kind of powerful, spirit-fueled connections with one another that brings about healing to the deepest recesses of our being. So we're not going to get there overnight. But by your power, we will get there. And I pray that we would. That we would be willing to risk, that we'd be willing to invest that we would be willing to allow your Holy Spirit to work among us. And Lord, we ask this for our own good and for one another's good, that this which is broken by your Spirit might be made whole again, that we might be restored, that we might be healed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.